Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. It is Monday night. We are back in action. Well, Galia and I are back in action. Uh, Bickler is in route. He should be joining us any second over here. But you know what? The audience is waiting. We can't wait for freaking Bickler. Uh, we'll bitch about weather while we wait. Actually, you know what? It's not too bad uh, here in Chicago. I'm your host, by the way, as always, Timushin here in Chicago. It's not too bad. And I kind of like too lazy to even bitch about it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, there's no bitching here in Massachusetts either. Uh, it was a beautiful day. I think we're getting like record temperatures this week, like 70, high 70s, low 80s every day this week till like Thursday or Friday. Um, and it actually was Sunday for a day on the weekend. So I have to take full credit here. Uh, it would be a complete curmudgeon-like approach and I'm sure we're going to get to that at some point during this one-hour conversation of our complaints, gripes, and, and uh, issues. So the weather can't be what I start out complaining about. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. There's so much other shit that they can't even. I'm too lazy to even get to the weather to kind of like bitch about that. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously it's after a weekend like that, after a game like that, and with everything that's going on, it's really hard to just focus on soccer and talk about performances, lineup, and stuff like that. Sadly, the conversation has been, I think, since the game. First of all, it's kind of hard to evaluate, um, like a team that's playing with nine men and you know people playing out of what they're supposed to be doing and things like that. So we'll probably focus on. Sadly, the non-football, uh, non-soccer side of things. Um, so we'll start. Obviously, I don't think we need to revisit uh, the game itself. Uh, it's been like over a day now where well, it's almost been like two days now. So we all seen the tape. We kind of like, you know, you might have your different opinions on like the Jota thing, um, the, the Curtis Jones thing. But just to have it on record. Real quick over here, Galley, uh, give us your quick take on where you stand with those two. I think the Diaz one goes without saying. So we'll just go with the yeah. Jones one, the ones that are a bit more subjective. All right. So I'm going to be very clear here. I don't think that Jones needed to see a red card in that match. I'm not shocked that he got a red card for the offense. I will say this. I think the application of VAR caused the player to be sent off. And what I mean by that is, is I think that as soon as the VAR tells him to go look at the monitor and he walks up to a monitor with a still image of the leg breaking tackle. And I want to be clear when I say this, I said that firmly kind of tongue in cheek, but in a still image, it looked like a leg breaking tackle because when you see Curtis Jones coming down on his ankle in a still photo, it looks like it could be a really, really, really bad challenge. I just feel like there has to be subjective common sense applied. And he goes over the top of the ball. He catches the top of the ball. He rolls over the ball. We've all seen that a thousand times. There's not nearly as much pressure coming down on Basuma, in my opinion, in that instance, as the still photo makes it look. And I think a yellow was an absolutely right call on the pitch. On the field, I think it should have stayed at that. But as soon as Simon Hooper walks up to that screen and the still is the ankle with an angle and studs up, he's off. It, it's 
that's human nature. You feel like you made a mistake. And it actually goes against the exact rules that say that non-subjective plays must first be shown in full speed only until the match official asks for it to be brought down to slow motion. So you poison the chalice the moment you show the still. And we all know that it was a still because we were lucky enough to get to see it on the screen as good old Fat Simon walked up and his big mug got up there. And the moment it happened, if I were Curtis, I would have been already, you know, high talented down the tunnel. Yeah, I was talking about this this morning. I kind of expected almost like a little, like a cartoon effect, uh, like that, say, like kaboom or bzang or something like that, like next to it with like a star. That's what it looked like when he was like walking up to it. That's what it looked like it was going to look. So, I mean, I think we're in agreement there. If you just look at that, you're like, holy cow, that's a red. But how it's happened and how it came about is that Bickler joins us. Bickler, uh, let uh, before, don't you think that you got away without trivia? But uh, before we go back to trivia, we're kind of like recapping the decision. We're five five minutes and 43 seconds in. You guys have done trivia already? Uh, no. That's how, that's how that, you relate. He knows your game. He yeah. knows your game. So you can't play this game, buddy yeah. boy. So the trivia is waiting for you. simmering in the back over. Here. Hold on a <laughs> second. My computer just slowed down. <laughs> Reboot. So, Jones, Cole, give us your take real quick. Red, no red, yellow, purple. What do you have? Uh, it's a yellow. Um, I think when we when PGMOL says something like significant human error in terms of that offsides call, I think you could say that about the entire match, considering the fact that the actual letter of the law in this situation is – in general, and this is a direct quote, in general, slow motion replay should only be used for facts. Position of offense, player, point of contact for physical offenses, handball. Normal speed should be used for the intensity of an offense or to decide if it was a handball offense, which by the letter of the law, I mean, it's very, very clear that we're looking at the intensity of impact in this. And I think both players making a play on a ball going in and the ball's moving, like I just... This is the very same reason that this group said it was not a red card offense when Oliver Skip did that to us. And the same reason that this was not called when Harry Kane went high on Robbo. Like it is just, it's unbelievable how we can continue to try to do these mental gymnastics around this with the inconsistency. So we're all in agreement there that it was kind of like, I mean, my thing was at the end, they will still focus on that last image and try to wiggle their way out of it. That was as of then. And then obviously the goal happens. And then obviously the Jota situation. Let's address that real quick. We'll start with you on this one, Bickler. Jota's, I mean, I think we can't argue the second yellow. Uh, The first yellow, how... Upset yeah, first know. yellow. First yellow is not a yellow at all. It's a player falling over themselves, and the second yellow is a red just for Jota being stupid. Like, and yeah. I, I don't like. I, I just think when you're on a yellow in quick succession, like you always see these double yellows come within five minutes of each other. Yes. I feel like, you know what I mean? And it's like, dude, calm down. You're on a yellow. This match is already insane. Like, why would you leave both feet? Like, and like, people are like, I almost feel like the Reds justified just for being that dumb. But like, yes, the first one is atrocious. And I, and like, I know that we'll probably get into it, but I also think like, uh, if you're going to give Jota a second yellow, 
you're giving the player who's on a yellow, who's asking for a yellow, a second yellow as well, considering the fact that's a point of emphasis this year. Yes. I mean, yeah, there's like a lot of inconsistencies throughout with that, you know, yellow motion because he should have been gone in the first yellow. When Jada got the yellow, we should have been 10 v 10. Maybe that doesn't happen yep. and all that kind of stuff. Um, I guess, Gally, we can't really argue that, you know, it shouldn't even be a foul, right? The guy kind of like hits himself. But I'll be honest, as I was watching it live, I thought it was a foul and a yellow too. Only in slow motion you see that. So while it's the wrong call out of all these bullshit calls. That's probably the most excusable one to me. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I have to be honest. I was waiting for Paul to finish and I'm not going to agree with everything Paul just said, including, you know, the point of emphasis, Doggy asking for the yellow. Now, if you watch it, Simon Hooper is actually already in his book, giving Jota the yellow before Adogi goes to do the yellow. So if it shocks anyone, Simon Hooper missed something right in front of his face on Saturday afternoon. Um, but he really wasn't even looking at him. I thought it was a yellow in live time. And they don't get yeah. replay for yellow cards. But to Paul's point, I actually have absolutely zero problem with Jota being sent off. Because I think the second tackle is a yellow all day, every day. And it should almost be a straight red when you're stupid enough to do it. Yep. Ten minutes after your first foul, when your team is already down 10 on 11, and you know nothing is going your way today. And you want to get on the wrong side of the manager? That's how you do it. it. Nothing there worked. And Joda does that a lot. Like where he does this, like getting under people's skin, and he 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 chirps a lot. He he's very boisterous. You know, we've seen the celebrations and the and the cojones things that he loves to do, and his dancing in front of opposing crowds. And it's fine when it's working for you. It didn't work on Saturday. But this wasn't even like needed- that. This was like he lost the ball. He didn't want to be responsible for something that's going to come off of it. So he made a rash challenge. And I agree with what Paul is saying. Like these things, it's like short-term memory. If you see that first yellow in like the 15th minute or something like that, you get a freebie somewhere around like 50th minute or something like that. But when you do it in the 15th minute and you do it again in the 22nd, you're gone because you're like, bro, I just freaking, it becomes like, I just freaking told you. And then it becomes a red. And But we also knew the way that this guy was refereeing this match from literally blowing an offsides call to, like, not adjudicating VAR properly to the way this went. I knew – I'll be honest with you. As soon as Jota got the first yellow, I actually looked at people in the pub and was like, I won't be shocked if we finish this match with nine. I'm worried about Jota because this is what he does. And – to your point, I think it was two years ago, right? It happened where Michael Oliver gave uh, Raul Jimenez a yellow card, literally against City when they were up one nothing, And like three and a half minutes later, he just tackled a guy like in the middle of the pitch. And like you knew a moment it happened what was going to happen. He was getting sent off. Yeah. And then, of course, City goes on, scores three second-half goals against 10 men, and we lose the league by one. So, like everything else, it just feels like there are these like underlying storylines that always seem to come back and, and go deeper and deeper. And I feel like Jota 
the whole side lost their mind in this match. And I will say this, I'm very critical of, of Virgil when he's wearing the armband. I, 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 I might have needed more from a captain in this match than we got. Because I felt like they needed a little bit of leadership on the pitch, and it never seemed like anyone ever grabbed everyone and pulled people together. And, and I think sometimes that comes from the manager losing his shit too, but he's got to do that. That's his job. On the pitch, we needed clearer minds to prevail. And I think it's going to get lost, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about the actual football played at some point. Because um, there were some really good performances. And, like, I think there was actually – there's a storyline that is an underlying positive that comes out of this game. But it's really, really hard to see just two days later, in my opinion. Yeah, see, I disagree with the Van Dyke thing. I actually thought the complete opposite. There were times where they were really under pressure – and the moment they got out of that, I thought, you know, Van Dyke was, was very vocal about, you know, like regarding the composure, saying like, we're fine and stuff like that. I'm pumping everybody back up again. It's hard to kind of, you know, it's nine guys. So, and especially minds being lost while you see all this happening. And I realize these guys are professionals and stuff, Dickler, but ultimately at the end, they are still human. Uh, so they are making human errors, if you will, as like Jota did and did that tackle. Uh, but I, I mean, what did you think about that Van Dyke thing? It didn't occur to me. I actually thought quite the opposite as I was watching it. I just did not see a team that out of control, despite what was happening, to be honest with you. I would have thought a lot worse things could come <clears> out of it. I'll kind of split the difference with you, right? I think that I think that Verge did a pretty good job of not being emotional, especially in critical situations. I do understand what Galley's saying because if we had Henderson on the pitch, he would have everybody around the center circle in a huddle for a second, you know, like just basically getting everybody together and on the same page, quarterbacking that entire team. And I do think, in a way, like you know, we, we were probably blessed with, with one of the best captains this club's ever had in, in that regard. I think Verge just leads differently. I don't think Verge is ever going to yeah. be that guy that gets everybody together like that. And, and I do think that sometimes you do need that, right? So I, I can see both things. I thought as a whole, I thought Verge had a pretty solid game and I thought he did okay uh, regarding the circumstances. It's th This is a really difficult one because it's like he's coming off the back of his suspension for, for words he used, right? And in yeah. this situation with this game, the way it's going, if I'm a captain, I'm almost pulling a referee to the side and being like, what the fuck are you doing right now? And I'm like almost willing yeah. to risk a suspension in this match. And he couldn't just based off the back right of the last. There. I think if anything, that's what's like compared to what's, um, you know, if you compare it to Henderson's captaining and maybe that is the English factor, uh, not only the language uh, country factor, uh, the dialogue with the ref. And sometimes it's positioning as well, Bickler, because it's a lot easier for the midfielder and the forward to be in the ref's ear. Uh, yeah. It's hard to abandon your post and go up to complain to the like the principal's office because you got to like, kind of like watch the back. <laughs> so you got to like oh. keep in mind. I think that's another factor too. Uh, and obviously how the refs handle I think players differently and like a, the English uh, midfielder uh, captain would be handled, I think a lot differently uh, than anybody else. Um, what's going on, John? 
thanks for joining us give us a like and a subscribe by the way uh youtube uh we did already contact our giveaway is over but another one is coming around the corner uh so go ahead and subscribe to our youtube channel to qualify for the next one coming up but before we go further and see how the club handled it afterwards i'm going to go over the statement and obviously what we asked for and what we can ask for moving forward uh we'll go with the statement and the excuse and stuff first but we cannot skip despite the efforts of bickler over here we cannot skip the trivia section uh and i made an even easy one for you bickler because we all need a kind of a pick me up i figured so i'll go like a beach ball that even you guys can answer. Let's put it that way. Um, you know what I mean, Gallo. Nope. Shaking your head. You know what I mean. I can't oh, really you it. even have confidence in that. You're like, no. <laughs> you're you're break, breaking up. I'm having technical issues. Yeah. I'll, I'll repeat it, buddy. Whenever you're ready, just let us know. Yeah, I mean, whenever the lag is over, we'll just do that. I can't even <laughs> use the excuse. I fixed my freaking lag problems. I don't even have the built-in lag anymore. I would have been like, what? What? I, I'm pretty sure the internet. Yeah, do the like the old like ah oh, there you go like do do the old like voiceover movies like the mouth is not lining up with the sound and stuff. Okay, this is an easy one. Even you guys can get it. Bel players from Belgium who played for Liverpool. Yeah, is it Simon Mingle. That's one. Divacarigi. That's two. Galley. Well, that's ridiculous. He just took the two that I was about <laughs> to say immediately, you bastard. Hey, oh, no, uh, yes. uh, I, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Belgium. I, I just, God damn you. Come on, people. Players from Belgium who played for Liverpool. I'm sure the audiences know. They're probably yelling. I don't even understand why on. this is a, why is this even a topical? We're playing play. a team from Belgium this week. Well. Well, what? <laughs> that was a good explanation, I thought. It is It is a good explanation. <laughs> I'm looking for the lag. <laughs> We're just wasting time over here pulling up his socks. We did one on referees. Uh, T.B. would have got another one of those Facebook messages that said we we're copyright infringing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a good point. Um, God, I, I, I would have went to D-Box second, but I, I don't even okay, I'll, I'll I don't know why that. my brain One more. One more, people. One more player from Belgium. Played pretty recently. Uh, like, within the... I'm not going into, like, 60s, 70s over here. That's why I thought this was a beach ball. You guys were going to throw it, and we're going to keep going. You're going to say the answer, and I'm going to be irritated yes, that I will. know the player's name. You will. Um, okay, let me... Let's and lay remember the time. Let's lay with that over here, because I really... I had high hopes for you guys, but there goes that. He's a forward. It's a he, and he's a forward. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, uh, see, John, well, everybody is baffled. Come on, man. I thought everybody would get this one. I thought it was an easy one. I was like, I'm like, ah, it'll be an easy one. We all needed a little pick-me-up this Monday. He's tall. He's not in Google, Bickler. No, he isn't in Google. <laughs> I am Googling it. I'm pulling a Jamie right now. I'm just, I need to look. This is my favorite part. My favorite part is like we're actually acknowledging how we handle the normal times. Normally, Bickler and I just try to talk about something so one of us can look it up while the other oh, one is being shit. called out on screen. Trevor oh, Christian Banks. I've, I've just 
I have just blank and just forgotten that entire period. And I and I the the Benteke era is arguably one of the worst because when he gets signed, you think to yourself, like, wow, there was this striker for Aston Villa and he scored a ton of goals and everybody wanted him. And then he came to Liverpool and it never worked. But I never wanted him because it never seemed like he was the type of guy that would fit. But I really didn't want him because I never thought he would fit with Brandon Rogers. And then we got rid of Brandon Rogers and we got Klopp and I was like, Oh man, it's probably like the only worse fit than Brendan Rogers is this guy playing for Klopp. So when you when you lose out and you like don't remember large periods of times that are like terrible times, right? My my therapist says that's a common trauma response. And I always just thought it was like linked to recreational drug use. So it was good to know that that's actually like a therapeutic like that's actually a physical thing that happens. If that was the case, I wouldn't remember shit from this weekend. But I guess my, I, maybe I do need more recreational drugs or something to help along yep. with that. But uh, okay, so let's get back to since you guys couldn't even muster this, I'll try to come up with an easier one next week. I don't know. I'm really trying over here, people. Uh, that was pretty easy, actually. To be fair, that was pretty, pretty easy. Yeah, actually. that was really. I can't believe. <laughs> Good shame on you guys. Okay, <laughs> that's yeah, a bad one to miss. That is that is one more reason the PGMOL ruined my fucking week. Seriously. <laughs> if you can embarrass me during trivia, you are taking it to a new level, people. Uh, we'll just track this, uh, track this uh, mistake to a human error. That's why you guys could have come up with Christian Bantega. So let's come to that. So they come up with a statement after the game saying, <laughs> John says next week's question, who's the best in the world? Yeah, that will be a big fight. We'll that get it wrong. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. Someone will say something other than Messi. <laughs> so they come up with the statement initially, and they're like, yes, we screwed up. Ah, shit happens. And then we find out actually what happened is even worse than what we thought happened. Because <laughs> honestly, I wish they would never have told us that. Because I felt like Galley, it made it 10 times worse that they said, oh, yeah, well, the simple fact is we were not watching the game, you see. So when we like, looked at it, we didn't tell the guy. I still makes no sense. Are you even buying the explanation? Let's go with that. Or is it a cover up for something it. even more stupid, if that's possible? Yeah, we, we talked about this a little bit, me and Paul, during the Premier League show, and, and I struggle with all of it, to be honest. Like, the idea that their mindset and their sentiment is is that we thought it was called a goal on the pitch, and therefore there was no reason for the offsides. Like, it was a good goal, so we just said no reason for a VAR review. It's a goal. But if they said that, I would think Simon Hooper would have said, no, it's not a goal. So what are you talking about? And then they would have went back and checked it. Ultimately, deep down, what I feel is, is I think it's a combination. I do believe Darren England made a huge mistake by not doing – I don't think he didn't draw the lines because he thought it was on or off sides. I think he thought it was a clear and obvious goal. And I think Simon Hooper – in my gut, I actually believe Simon Hooper is the one who has the most egg on his face as the match day official. And I think Simon Hooper actually is the one who will end up paying the biggest brunt. Because there's a couple different moments during the match where you see Hooper's face when different things happen. 
it and and someone was talking about it in our Discord channel today. Like he almost looked like he knew it was wrong and he was confused, and then he just went on with it anyways. I think when the audio comes out, Simon Hooper's communication as the match day official on the pitch is actually what is going to be deemed as the biggest and most egregious error. More than even Darren England's inability to watch the game. Because I think, well, I no, but I think if Darren England believes that they didn't call that offside, and I'll say this as someone in the pub, I didn't realize they called it offsides until after the review was started. I, I literally was celebrating running around a goddamn pub thinking it was a goal. And someone said it's offsides. And then it seemed like there was this VAR review. So I can kind of understand a little bit of ambiguity or mistake. I think the match day official has to make sure in communicating with VAR that they understand. And there has to be better verbiage, right? Like in the NFL or college football, there's like 800 and different ways that they describe the play at the end. So, you know, it was either upheld, you know, uh, overturned, uh, inconclusive. There's all these things that let you know what you're saying. There has to be something similar in the VAR verbiage. And if you're the match day official and the guy goes, that's a good goal or no VAR review, you'd think you'd like still check back in and be like, so he was onside? He was offside? Like, those are the think that's, my, that's why I want the audio. And that's why I think in deep down I put it on the match day official because ultimately it is Simon Hooper's job to run that match on the pitch. And I feel like, in my opinion, he failed there. I could be totally wrong. But I'm interested to hear what that audio sounds like. I mean, the audio is going to tell a lot. But, I mean, honestly, like, multiple things don't make sense over there. Because, first of all, no offense to you, but I hold the VAR officials in a room watching the game at a higher standard than you drinking in a pub. And, you know, your insurance. So. <laughs> I mean, we would hope first so, but apparently not. <laughs> I mean, because you guys were watching at equal levels. And one is getting paid in a... I'm assuming hoping a quiet room, but it looks like they're playing poker, four people in that room over there, and they didn't know what was happening in the game. So that there is that, first of all. And then the second thing is, Paul, like, are they getting charged by the word that they have to keep it really short? Like, like check complete, like, no more questions. Like, just... I, I just... I, I, I actually disagree a little bit with Gally here. I actually think Darren England is is responsible for the majority of the big things that happened in this match incorrectly. Because, like, first of all, like, I just picture him loudly eating a bag of Fritos and watching, like, a CSI Miami rerun and being like, wait, what? And, like, just being like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or the dude from like the original Jurassic Park in the floral shirt. Like I picture that. I don't know. Like, um, but I think like I think my thing is is like so. I think this is what happens when you teach them to delay an offside flag. I, I really think that he like saw this thing and he was like, well, if like it wouldn't have, he wouldn't have, like you know I think he just assumed drew the lines and assumed that this was onside and that that's what they had done. And at this time he didn't, he flagged for it. And I think it was just, they. he was like, I think either too lazy to watch both screens at the same time or just massively incapable of actually processing critical information at more than one thing at a time, which is scary to think. And, and I really think like, when, I think 
first of all, I don't think we're going to get audio. I don't think they're going to release it. I really don't. I don't know how they're not going to. I mean, I think they almost have to, but I'm not convinced that I'm not convinced that they will release it. Second of all, I think my theory is, is the quick check. When you look at Simon Hooper checking his ear real quick, I think that's him hearing check complete. Yeah. That's what I think is said. Check complete. And um, I don't think he's in a position on the pitch to really say, are you sure? Like, cause why would you, you would assume they looked at the lines, they drew the lines and it went in. And the other, the other thing that, that I'm really like holding Darren England to the fire on this is, is a calling him over on the Curtis Jones card and still framing it. Right. I think those are two things that lie solely on him that basically dictate you are putting Simon Hooper. Like when you do that, when you call him over, you're essentially saying that this probably needs to be overturned. And then you're showing that replay in the worst possible situation, the worst light. So you are making the decision for him by the way that you present that material. And I think both those things are like just almost criminal and they're just absolute disregard for how that should have happened. Yeah, I mean, I agree with John. John says 100% England is holding the cell. I agree to that too, just because I know what Galley is saying in terms of Hooper is ultimately the one in charge. Right. But that's kind of like your backup like your eye in the sky if you will so if you are not like he showed the yellow over there and as far as you know hooper is concerned that's the yellow which i think we were all okay with a yellow right for the curtis jones incident england comes back and says oh no 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 you gotta watch this it's much worse and with the goal it's offside the flag is up and you know it's being checked and somebody says check complete you're good so he says carry on for him to like keep saying, are you sure though? How about, did you check out check? I mean, it's not like your kids yeah. going to soccer practice where you're like, you have the shingars, you have the socks. Like, you know, this is like a pro doing his <laughs> job over there. So you're like, hey, you know, like, are you, is it, are you, like, he's not going to be like, are you triple check? Did you triple check? I can see that. My, my argument on two fronts is I didn't put the Curtis Jones thing into this conversation at all. I was talking purely about the offside thing. I said earlier already, I think the Curtis Jones thing was 100% on Darren England for showing a still photo. And if it wasn't for that, I think Simon Hooper would have done the right thing and stuck with his original decision. I think if he had seen it in full speed before he saw anything else, he would have stayed with the yellow card on that play. I think where my issue is with England is, is, and, you know, we love to take shots at, you know, all the different refs that it's easy, right? Everyone loves to take shots at Anthony Taylor and how he makes it all about him. I believe if that were Anthony Taylor on the pitch, he would have been in more communication with his VAR to understand exactly what they were doing on the offside play. And to Paul's point, if what we're really complaining about is the late flag, there's just as much of a chance about the late offsides flag as causing Darren England excuse or reasoning for basically, I hate to say it, in some ways I think Darren England was as much caught up in the great goal that was Luis Diaz's finish. And in a way, he's sitting in a room, he's looking at it, similar to the drunks in the pub that I was with. Thanks for calling us drunks, by the way. Um, I called it as I see. We're all celebrating, running around, and acting like it's a safe it's assumption. Basically, <laughs> it's as safe as as human error coming yeah. into play by the PGMOL, which is basically assumed. 
there are match day officials that would have handled that situation different is my point. And I do think that at some point, the guy on the field, it's their job to get all of this right. And in most instances, offsides is not something they would ever question. But I don't know if, if we believe Darren England thought the goal was genuinely called onsides on the pitch, he would have said check complete. So that is a human mistake, and he makes a mistake. And I don't know how you redo that. If he actually saw it and is just genuinely screws that thing up and now they're trying to backtrack and all this story, that's where I think the audio is the only thing that sets the story right. And to Paul's point, I would normally say we're not going to hear this audio. But we're getting this now from like writers like Henry Winter and like David Ornstein saying like, um, like we need transparency here. You have Mark Goldbridge defending Liverpool supporters and calling out Gary Neville. Like, I'm like Richard Keys supporting Liverpool supporters. Yeah. Richard Keys. Like there were other people today saying this isn't about Liverpool being wronged. This isn't is that the silver lining in all of this though. Supporters <laughs> finally getting it all right. Like it, it to me, this is a watershed type moment. Like. If you want real change and transparency into this bullshit, you have to have a big moment to make it happen. And mm -hmm. it's the one thing I'll give Kazi credit for in all of our Discord channels is he hasn't been like, give us our three points. Let's replay this match. He's been saying, like, this is football. Like, this is a moment for football to change and make things better. And the only way that happens is if supporter groups get crossed here and it actually becomes something about the sport. And it felt to me for the first time in a long, long time, like the sport of football rallied around a topic. Cause I haven't heard anyone outside of like some like butthurt Spurs fans who want credit for three points they don't deserve. I mean, really to whine well, about. I would listen to the, back of the audio. I think the more than the initial audio part, Bickler, because I think that's going to be as stated. Like, they're going to be like, check in, check in, check complete, and then they're going to keep going. I want to hear the next five seconds when they are taking the kick for the offside. What was said then? Because I understand, yeah, once it kicks, you can't stop, blah, blah, blah. But which one is worse? Like, stopping it five seconds later and be like, no, 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 dude, uh, we said it's a goal. Unless they're not watching it again and he's back in this bag of Fritos, like you were saying. I mean, they could have done that. And even though it's against the rule, blah, 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 it's a last leg, last, yeah, lot less egg on their face compared to what they're dealing with now. Because it would be like, yeah, you guys really screwed up that communication over there, but at least the right call was made at the time would well, be right. the bottom line. And this is where I have serious concerns about anybody refereeing at this level to have that lack of ability to crisis manage. Like I would think that Darren England would be like, even if the kick had gone, had been in Simon Hooper's earpiece and be like, we need to stop this. And I think that's, that's the, that's going to be the important part of the audio. Right. And, yeah. and that's the part I don't know we're going to get. Like, are we going to get the communication of like, this definitely needs to be, or, or are we going to know that Darren just eats it and thinks, 
well, fuck, it happened. Like, I guess we just move on. We'll, we'll have a nicely worded apology letter and a full investigation after the match. Like, and to me, that was the, the fun, that was the most absurd part of that entire thing was like in, in the statement, I was like, we're going to have a full review of, of like, <laughs> How many okay. I feel How many better about it now. I mean, what's like, the part of that review at the end is going to be, uh, we can't say more than two words on the radio. I guarantee you that's what's going to be the, from now on, we change the system. We're not going to say check complete. We're going to say check complete offside confirmed or yeah, check complete uh, goal, blah, blah, blah. They, that's going to be like, how is that not the fucking the case? Uh, well, how that's, is that that's not the, the case? Issue. And that's why we do not get, for some reason, audio. And I can see what Bickler is saying. They're going to release, like, release the audio and it's going to end right there where they say check completes okay gotcha and then you know they're gonna keep playing and they're gonna like as you guys because it it fits fits the narrative it fits the narrative that they're pushing and it's not an implausible narrative right but it's not the full story and it's not the full the it's not full transparency as to to how badly this thing has been dropped right and i think that's like the pgmll's consistent lack of not only transparency, but willingness to be transparent is is what is arguably more concerning than anything. But I think that's what gets to me. I mean, we're talking about this in the morning show as well. And I know, Bickler, you're Mr. Anti-VAR. I almost feel like they are using this. This conversation has been somehow in many, like, ways like twisted to a var conversation which is not a var conversation it's like what the hell you guys are doing with it but i almost feel like look this is the league that got var last and i guarantee you these guys do not want var i almost feel like galley that this is like a great thing to say you know what there are so many issues with this we're gonna put this aside figure everything first and then we'll bring it back because i think this league does not want it because they are just too they see themselves as an organization that should not be questioned or monitored. They're like, we got this. We make the calls. You guys live with it. They don't want people looking at the monitor, listening to the audio and all that kind of stuff. They want to be the one ultimately ruling the land. Yeah. I mean, this wouldn't be an issue in Italy. In Italy, they're playing the audio in the stadiums between the match day official and the VAR officials the entire time. They're letting everyone hear they have no problem because there. that's a league we're that's had about, corruption issues. I was just gonna say we're talking about a we're talking about fucking Italy figuring out how to get it right and not cheat shit, right? Like seriously, Italy people, like it, it would be like someone in Spain being like, "Yeah, we figured out that they do a lot to help Real Madrid and Barcelona." <laughs> like it's just crazy, but at the same time, right? Like. We, we love to make fun of the MLS, right? We, we do a good job here. We poke a little fun. We, we, we get under the skin of our MLS about, but... supporters. We, we, we do. We love it. <laughs> never heard and, of her. <laughs> and, and, yeah, never heard of her. Um, but the truth is, the truth is, they were, wrote, they were voted, like, two years ago, like, the best VAR league in the whole world, the MLS. And Howard Webb was in charge of it. So everyone was all excited. They were like, oh, Howard Webb's going back to be in charge of England's VAR. It's all the match day officials. It's going to make everything better. And it's broken everything. Because we already we already have these biases in England because there's so much history 
and so much rooted in the storylines. But is and it because the Major League Soccer does not have much scrutiny? Like, I don't watch my, much Major League Soccer, so I am not even seeing them handle these situations. Is it because there are so many more eyes on this? So you can make a mistake in Major League Soccer and not be as blown up as an issue, whereas the Premier League, the world is watching. I'm not saying, I'm just I, asking I think, you. No, I think you're probably right, but I also think they rate these things on, like, the percentage of other officials who say the call was right and was it actually adjudicate it based on what your rules are. The reason that they get the high ratings wasn't actually for getting VAR decisions right as much for actually adjudicating it the way the rules say they're supposed to. And like VAR is handled differently in Italy than it is in England. There are different levels of standards to overturn a call in Italy than there are in Germany. And I think sometimes that goes into the rating scales and like, how it gets figured out. And I think what it was with the MLS was, was that their definition for when you use VAR and when you overturn a call was actually clearer to the point that it allowed the VAR to actually utilize the technology for what it was meant to be by the, by like the letter of the law. And in England, we talk about VAR being there to correct clear and obvious errors Yet guys dive and we don't give them a yellow card for a dive, but we don't call it a penalty after it was overturned. Like they decide how to use it in England, in my opinion, to not make match day officials look bad. And this almost felt like it was one more way for them to kind of hide behind their bullshit rules. And I, and, and I, that's what I struggle with the most is the inconsistencies with the application of the tool. I don't understand why we didn't do what Italy did, like, then. I don't understand why we, like, the other thing that Italy's doing is, like, they adopted the semi-automatic offside technology from the World Cup that everybody loved. It was proposed to England. They promptly turned it down, like, without even really looking. They were like, no thanks. Like, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. So accurate. We don't we're good. We're, do we're doing a great job right now anyway. I think what I don't understand is, and I, I guess that's the question to you, Victor. I mean, I don't think we can, I mean, you and I definitely at least can speak as much of the Major League Soccer system. Maybe you more than me. No, just kidding. You definitely won't. Uh, but let's like compare it to, for example, NFL. Because I know Gally was mentioning it earlier, for example. I feel like a lot more goes into working out the details and the specific pos possibilities and stuff like that. I mean, uh, you sometimes like watch stuff and then they pull out this rule. I'm like, holy shit, who the hell even thought of that possibility that the rule is in there for this scenario kind of thing. It feels like it's a lot more thought out and everything is really spelled out a lot better. And you flip that to the Premier League, it almost feels like it's consciously left to be more subjective and a lot more gray areas and a lot more on the ref. Is that like just job justification so that not anybody can do it or what is it? I mean, it's probably a direct result again from Italy uh, who went out in the desert and founded a little city called Las Vegas and really moved a lot of betting lines in ways that affected a lot of people. <laughs> like, so like they had to do what was centralized third party video review. So it all goes to New York and the actual commissioning body looks at these things. And I think that's for me, like, I mean, we've joked that I'm anti 
VAR, right? Like I'm anti PGMLL having these guys in the VAR booth. Like uh, why is this not going to F? Why is this not going to the FA? You know, why is this not going to the same people who want to find us when we say something about it being wrong? Like, um, I, I just think it needs to go to a, a third party governing body uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, it's like run like a bad third world uh, dictatorship. Yeah, and then, you know, they're like, and how dare you say something about my operations and stuff like right. that, even though you are right kind of a deal. And I just don't understand. And I don't know if they're going to release the video. I mean, obviously, we put out the statement uh, going back to this real quick. And then we followed it because let's face it, initially, there was a lot more outrage about the whole entire incident, including the pundits. And we were like talking on the Discord channel earlier today. Afterwards, everybody probably got an email and a memo saying, you guys want to cool off with that because this is Premier League. They pay out a lot of wages in one kind of way kind of thing. Everybody backed away a little bit. And they were like, I mean, they are human and they just say sorry, you know. And then it kind of like backed off a little bit. So let's see how much. And I know this statement got some reaction for people like Neville who even initially was really on top of this and then kind of like he's one of the ones that kind of backed off. And then Liverpool followed up with the, the request. I guess, Gally, how are you liking how Liverpool is handling it? Like, would you like them to do less, more? If more, what? I, I have no problem with the stern response. I think Paul made a comment yesterday in our Discord channel. It sounded like it was written by someone with a legal background, and that was exactly how I felt as well. It read like a statement that someone was planning to use eventually in court. Like it's one of those statements, like, you know, and like, well, you wouldn't know this commission because you're happily married, but for men like <laughs> me and Nicola, have been through a divorce. We know that eventually some comments come out. Someone said something and you hear that shit and you're like, we know a little something about lawyers. Like, <laughs> like, wait, 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 wait. That could cost a lot more money down the line. Wait, wait, wait. That is that is that is said with that is a statement of intent. And I felt like this was a statement of intent. And and Tom Werner is a very, very smart man. And I'm sure it was him, because he's the craftsman, he's the entertainer. I think he made sure his lawyers worded something that they couldn't be sued or calling for collusion, or calling things unbiased, or saying that we are being wrong. But he wanted to make sure that there was more than just, it's okay, you made a mistake. And by calling in sporting integrity, you're arguably saying, I'm not saying you fix this shit, but I'm saying your decisions could make an impact to the end result and outcome of this entire process, just like the match did. And I, I, I like what the club did. I will say this. It has to end this week. We're going to play Thursday, and it's not going to be over by then. But when the PGMOL comes out and makes a statement, when the league releases audio, whatever it does, it has to end. Because if we keep talking about this a month, two months, three weeks from now, it won't be the the net positive result I think this might end up being on our club overall for the long haul. Yeah, I'm glad you I, I that. do believe that. Yeah, because I was going to bring that up in terms of like how it affects us. And I think the international break coming in, I feel like 
I would extend your deadline pretty much to when we come back uh, for the dark. That's everything kind of a deal because that gives you basically two or three weeks to sort out your shit. Because especially if the audio comes out, there's going to be a reaction to that. There's going to be kind of reaction yep. to that. Sort the shit out then and then kind of like figure it out. I mean, I am not too optimistic, but, you know, something has to be done. I mean, I read the statements and I was talking about, I mean, this is sadly very familiar territory to shit that happens in the Turkish League. And the Turkish team, this is like the first time Liverpool probably has to issue a statement like this. But when you issue these weekly, like most Turkish clubs do, especially like Fenerbahce and Gatsa and stuff, the language gets like obnoxious, sarcastic, uh, pointed. It looks like Bickler wrote it instead of a lawyer wrote it. Uh, so let's put it that way. That's that's the level it goes with. It is pretty pointy. And I was telling it to my brother and I was like, yeah, this is how they do it in <laughs> This is how the English do it, apparently, because it was worded, I thought, extremely well. What will come off of it, you think, Bickler, if anything, and more importantly, how do you think this affects the team moving forward? That is to say, like I oh, think will unite, but will they? Oh, I I one hundred percent believe that we came out of this game with more positive than negatives because I thought like this side showed a resiliency and a quality that champions have. And I, I think that's what Jurgen sort of hinted at or came out and said at the end of the match. And I wholeheartedly believe that this situation brought this team together. Even players that didn't play, you watch how Nunez walked out and what he was, you know, like how he was acting coming off. Uh, loved it. I don't know yeah. if it's going to change anything. I, I, I really don't because, like, I just don't think there's enough incentive. And there's, I don't think the pressure is high enough from anybody. For the PGMLO to enact changes that create transparency and fairness in a way that they're probably not comfortable with. I don't, so I don't, I'm not convinced that there's any change. And I can tell you what, I'll tell you one thing that comes out of this. If they hit McAllister, if the FA hits McAllister with a four match ban for his social media activity, I have a passport. I love to travel and I love to make noise. And I will, like, they better hope that I'm on a no fly list. And if they hit McAllister with a four match ban, I was gonna say I thought you already were, but been flying a lot sure are, with but... no problems. Been flying a lot with no problems, and they're gonna have a problem if they hit them with four match ban because I have unlimited PTO where I work. I I don't think they would just because of this, like what's going on right now. I, I don't know, dude. Say say like players get nailed when they say that other I, players I, I think he's getting I think he's getting at least a match ban. I don't think he's gonna get the four. I think he's going to get a one match ban. Because you can't. Whenever I try to press one, they do not play when you say stuff like that about refs. Yeah, twelve. We were we were going again. It was twelve on nine at the end, including the match day officials. I think that usually is like Ryan Babel level. Like, did he, he say he that, or is it nine v twelve only? Can he just claim a typo? Fat fingers. I, mean, I would claim a significant. I, mean, I would claim significant human error personally. Significant. Yeah, human I, error? I would probably Fat ask fingers? for a significant human error. I just tell him I don't speak English. If I were him, I would just show up with, like, no hablo espanol. I would just literally show up and be like, my name's, you know, my brother's Kevin McAllister. We're from Argentina. It's not my fault. That's what they named us. Um, I'm an Irish guy from Argentina. Figure that shit out. But, uh, you know, my thing to me, Jim, with that point, though, is, is that I do think, to Paul's point, and I hate to give this guy any credit, but uh, James Pierce, 
had one of the better tweets today who actually said like Liverpool will never be like made whole by what happened on Saturday afternoon. But this side needed a moment to pull them together with so many new faces and they found their moment because they were moments away from getting what would have been a heroic point. Yeah. And it took a ridiculous own goal, right? Scored by a guy who might have played as well as anyone all day long, which was so sad for Matip. And I was, and I have to say, the people in the pub were a little frustrated as it happened because I was wearing the fucking Matip going on an adventure t-shirt in the pub on Saturday. And Kelly's like, oh no. As soon as it <laughs> happened, she looked at me and was like, oh no. And I was like, oh shit. Um, all of a sudden, you couldn't find Kelly. <laughs> they all thought it was the greatest Sorry. shirt in the world when I showed up in the morning. They were like, that thing's the best. What's an American scouser? But uh, by the end, they were like, who this man? That's but why, the, that's why our ratings are low this week. <laughs> Everybody's like, they are, yeah. They did decrease. But I genuinely think that this, to Paul's point, I think I said it at one point, like, you play that match with 10 men when you should have 11. And it's something that like hard workers do. You get to where we did against nine men. And that point is like an immense, huge piece of an accomplishment. You find a way to win it. And who knows if we could have done that, regardless of how it all ends up. That's what champions do. But I still think they leave there saying to themselves, like, if Joda doesn't get sent off and it's 10 on 11, we bring on Darwin and Darwin scores two more and we win the fucking thing three to one. Like, in their mind, I genuinely think, like, he was stripped off, ready to come in. Yeah, he and was don't almost kid yourself. coming in. Don't kid yourself. Darwin was coming in to put a fucking hurricane in the middle of the pitch and score a goal. That's what he was coming on to do. And he was going to celebrate almost as much as he did us losing the match, which was, to Paul's point, it's one of the coolest things of the whole weekend was him yep. firing up the crowd, even though he didn't get to play. And it shows he's finally figuring it out. But I think this team did need a moment. I think they had a moment. It didn't go the way they wanted it to. But I think to James Pierce's point of what he said, we, we have questioned whether the mentality monsters would ever be back. These guys Saturday afternoon looked like they were the mentality monsters of the championship winning team. The team that no matter what the odds are can win. And I think that for Sobislai, McAllister, Gravenberch, Endo, I think for these new players, I think this was a galvanizing moment. And we might look back at it at the end if we win some special stuff this year and recognize this wasn't a good afternoon, but it meant a lot more in the in the big picture of the season than we thought. Yeah, I think, you know, they had that huge game and that moment against Newcastle, right? It was like, uh, you know, we can do it if we kind of put it together kind of a deal, like, you know, even with 10 men and all that kind of stuff. This point was going to be Bickler. It was going to be worth like five points in my mind because I thought, you know, it was definitely against all odds. And we know, you know, every team does this. It's us. Nobody believed in us and all that kind of stuff. And I think this team will bounce off of this in a positive way. But will it going back to what like Gally was talking about, like getting your resolve, I don't think this team ever had an issue with drive or desire or anything. 
what will they get out of it that's going to start the Brighton game differently or play the game against Brighton and differently? I just think there's a growing sense with this team that it's them versus everybody. And and that they're like I think the the growing sense of that leads to a growing sense of resilience, which means that like I think teams like that respond differently when they go down in critical moments. Like when they go down a goal early or when they go down like big late uh, in big matches, I think those teams respond differently. So I think that really this is sort of the platform to build off that. Um, and I, I think in, I think it bonds players. Like when you go through things like that together, um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like those players that go through training camp. Like when they go through training camp, you go through a certain number of things and you get bonded. And I think this is sort of like that. I mean, you, you can kind of liken it to like, uh, I mean, this is probably not the best analogy, but this is sort of similar to what people go through when they're banded together in the same troop and they go to war. Right. You remember those guys forever. Right. And I think that's like, obviously not trying to demean, this is like just a game. Right. But like, I think it's a similar situation where you do remember those guys forever and it's a brotherhood in a different way. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's a good point because those are a bit more memorable where you kind of have to really go against something together, whatever that may be. And usually like in a case like this, obviously you're going against kind of like the injustice of the whole system and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I think, you know, it's one thing to go against the financial injustice and all the shit that happens behind the doors with, you know, fake sponsorships and relations to Saudi and stuff like that. I think, you know, players kind of know that and now kind of like semi accepted, if you will, as part of sadly mm -hmm. the sport at this point. But this is kind of like a totally different ordeal because you're like, you can't do this shit at the same time. And I do expect them to kind of like bounce back in a big way because of that and i think we saw that the team is capable of that i mean like with nine men i mean obviously like that's why i didn't want to go into it as much today in terms of performance and stuff like that because it is hard to judge but you saw a lot of hearts a lot of efforts a lot of good defensive work i thought overall because that is definitely not an easy ordeal to play nine men against a good tottenham side ultimately with a lot of weapons but um before we leave um i'm not gonna go into the lineups and stuff like that anyway we're kind of like running out of time as well uh we'll have the wednesday morning coffee show and obviously we're gonna have the pre-match before the show uh to talk a lot more about that but let me get a quick prediction from you guys for thursday's game what how much without going into the details of the squad galley like how much of a rotation are you expecting 50 percent, 80 percent, and what kind of a score are you predicting I'm I'm thinking there's going to be somewhere between 60 and 70% rotation. I think it won't be as much as the last time when we had all 11 players rotated out. Um, I think there will be very similar to, I think the similar starting rotation or lineup to what we saw the last Europa League match, very similar. And I'm going to say we throttle them. 5-0. Dang. That's a Bold prediction right there, Bickler. What do you have? I don't know how anybody's picking a prediction that's not 3 1, to be quite honest. I mean, yeah, well, well I was about to do it, but I thought it was <laughs> okay, for me. Thanks, man. <laughs> I don't give a shit about Tim. I'll, I'll say 3 1. Uh, I, 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 I appreciate you too, brother. 
Hey, it's it's nothing personal. It's just the fact that you do trivia every week. Uh, and like, I don't know. I have one more. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do. I do agree with. I do agree with Galley with the rotation. I don't see as much as the first first group game, but I, I do think there's going to be a fair amount here, um, especially in that midfield. And score you three one. Avoided three one. The usual. Uh, I'll go with four one. Uh, Alan says four one. So why not? I'm going to double up. This is my new. This is the new me. Uh, I'm going with four ones, but let's see what happens. I, I do feel like usually these Belgium teams have one forward that will give you fits uh, with their speed and agility and stuff like that. So I think they get a goal that way. But I do think we have so much. John goes with six zero. Man, you guys are like really could awful. happen, dude. Off an emotional week with the team and the way it is, could happen. Uh, I remember like talking right. about that, I do feel f- bad for these bastards coming into yeah. that. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you gotta be kidding me! Like, <laughs> <laughs> so they can't appreciate how this weekend went. I'm sure they are just as disappointed as uh, we are. It would be the perfect day for Doak to come out and just literally yep. like light it up, score two and get an assist and play great and like set up a Darwin early goal and like set someone up. Like I could, I could literally see them running at them and just going at it. Gravenberg's playing well. Like I, I think they're going to be up for this, man. This is the one thing I think Klopp knows how to rally guys. And I think he knows yeah. how to manage men. And this is the type of moment where you either pick up a team or you lose a team. And I'm pretty confident they came out of Saturday stronger than they went into. And weak teams, United would have went into that game, lost a match like that, and be back-channeling, fighting each other, and fighting their own supporters group for who to yell at and who to blame. And I think Liverpool came out of it galvanized in a way that maybe, like we talk about it all the time, how like, other teams have bad guys and we're so happy we don't sign bad guys. And I know eventually we will like that's inevitable. That's what happens, but they buy good players that fit in, but then they look for moments that I think bring them together. And we like talked about that trip to Austria two years ago and they rode bikes and wore their helmets. And then they were all buddies and like they came out of it and they went on a crazy ass run. I think if we win big, big honors by the end of this calendar campaign, I think we will look at Saturday in more positives than we do negatives. Because I think it's a moment like that that Klopp can use for the next two months I think to so. build on why we are special, and they aren't. Especially for this 2.0 version of Liverpool, I think that was kind yes. of like a good uh, way to kind of like push it, kind of like what we had in the past. Uh I don't know, more than this Thursday's game, really, I am more concerned and focused on the Brighton game and see how we respond there. I kind of like the fact that Brighton is playing as well. Otherwise, I'd be more worried. But it should be interesting to see what happens. Uh, We'll be back Wednesday morning. Uh, We'll definitely talk about a lot about that in our morning coffee show. And then, obviously, we're going to have the pre-match. And at night, we're going to do the post-match with our regular podcast as well. So, as always, give us a like. Give us a share. Subscribe. Do all that good stuff. Usually on the bottom of the screen over here, there should be a bunch of buttons to press. Smash all those, as Bickler would say. Ah, damn it. I forgot to bring the video. Uh, But, yeah, we'll we'll play it multiple times next week. Uh, That'll be your punishment. Uh, But... Have an awesome week, everybody. Don't make any human errors out there, and we'll see you guys next week. Take care.